and welcome to the second episode of the On The Volley podcast with myself, Sean Webley, and my friend, Ollie Spencer. Uh, obviously, with club football coming to an end across Europe this week and last week, we're going to focus on the Euros coming up because as we're recording this episode, it starts next Saturday. But this week's episode, we're going to focus mainly on on the England squad being as, well, one of us is English, the other isn't, but we'll be mainly sporting England. No names mentioned. <laughs> so we're going to focus on England. We're going to talk about the 26-man squad rather than the 23-man squad. We're going to talk about whether England are actually good enough to go far in this competition. Uh, we're also going to mention about the review the Cup European Cup yes. final. Yes. Sean, before we, before we really get into it okay. and leave this in, because I'm, in, I'm intrigued and I'm sure, the, I'm sure the listeners will be intrigued as well. If in the Euros final... It was England versus Wales. Who do you want to win? By the way, to the listeners, if you couldn't hear any accents, I'm English. Sean is not. <laughs> I am Welsh, so it's a very good question. Um, I assumed the Wales, but apparently not. <laughs> oh God, this makes me sound really bad. I okay, look, I've lived, I've been living in England now for what nearly ten months. It's just I've grown very fond of England. Okay, I'm, I've become a fan. I just I know it's bad because I've been living in Wales my whole life. It's just like my favorite players are English. You know, my favorite team is an English team. At the end of the day, so I, I said, oh. <laughs> so you're saying the Premier League has a big part of a yeah, big, big part of that. It does. It does. You're watching, you're watching players like Kane and Foden on a weekly basis performing yeah. really well, and I, that sort of makes sense. So, so you're telling me the answer is to my question of who would you want to win if the final Wales England would the answer be England? <laughs> yeah, I think so, and I really hope that nobody from back home is listening to this because I promise <laughs> it's it's true. But you know, I won't <laughs> I won't be hostile. But you'll be you'll be you'll be watching Wales with with keen intent as well, right? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Like I, like I won't like hate Wales. I don't hate Wales. Of course I don't. They're like my second team. It's just I don't know. I just have <laughs> second team. Yeah, I just have a closer affinity to England, even though I'm Welsh, but. Well, next, next week we're going to do more of a, a general Euros previews, preview. So in that episode, I, I, we could touch on how we think Wales are going to do and look at their squad because actually it's, it's quite a strong squad, isn't it? And obviously they were sort of the dark courses in the last Euros four years ago, five years ago. Yeah, yeah, and I think well, specifically in Wales group, there's a team that I want to focus on who I think could be dark courses for the whole tournament. Um, purely, well, we'll get into this now. Just a little hint, but purely because of. You know, the amount of games they've played compared to the big sides, you know, the England, Portugal, Spain or whatever, because they've all had such a big season. You know, it's all because of COVID it has been such very close together. So I feel like that will have a big impact on it. But enough of that. Let's talk about England. England. Everyone's favourite. Our, our team. <laughs> our team, yeah. What well, just... of, um, of, of Southgate going for that move and going, going, announcing 33 first? Everyone was expecting the, the 26-man squad, right? And suddenly it sort of delayed it even further and caused even more discussion. But what was your thoughts on that? Well, when I first heard about it, I originally thought it was a bit of a... Because there are a lot of decisions which have been become under you know scrutiny and pressure, Trent Alexander-Arnold being one. I just thought maybe he's chosen 33-man squad just to give him a bit of time you know, to decide whether he actually will take him or not because it was such a big decision. I mean, obviously he's taking him now, but for a while it looked like that he wouldn't even be going. Um but I do understand going to the 26-man squad. I do understand why they've done it, obviously, because of, you know, COVID and the fact that injuries are happening. You can specifically now with England, because we've got so many players who are on the edge, whether they're going to make it or not. I think it was a good idea, but 
I don't know, the 33-man squad was a bit was a bit of a shame, particularly because of last night, because of certain players that are playing last night and then have just gone back home after the second game and won't be involved in the Euros itself. So I just feel, feel it's a bit... It's a bit unfair to those because I do feel there are some that probably deserve to be there, namely Jesse Lingard. Um, but I do think that it was a good idea. Well, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting the 33-man squad at all. And I was quite surprised when, when that was announced. But actually, after thinking about it, I think it's, I think it's really smart from Southgate because there was a lot of talk and debate about who the 26 were and who was going to miss out, who was going to get in. And, you know, no one was quite sure. There wasn't really a right answer, and there still isn't. There's never going to be, obviously, with these sort of things. It's also very subjective. But Southgate, I think, is smart from him. He just bought himself a little bit more time. He could include all of the names that are being thrown about. Well, actually, he still managed to miss out a few, even with 33. Um, and, uh, so, you know, he was able to go for 33, have, have a week or two, certainly a week, training with them all, see how they're doing in training. Seeing how they'd fit in, and actually, I th- and then you know, almost sort of go off form, like by looking at a wider pool of players and options available. And I actually think that's quite smart. You know, he could take all four right backs, and obviously in the end, not that at the time I think people thought he was going to lose a right back, but you know, he could he could look at all four right backs, could bring an ca- extra couple of centre backs in with Harry Maguire's injury to see if there's anyone stood out in that in that week of training, the 33, just a sort of few rogue shouts, who actually you know. You never know; they might have really stepped up in training and suddenly give something Southgate, give Southgate something to think about. So I actually think this, I think the thirty-three was really, really smart idea, and um, and it also it, it kept the media guessing a bit longer. You know, just kept just sort of just pushed them up, just just kept them at bay a little bit more, gave them a bit more time to think, make his decision, and I think it was I think it was really smart. You know, he, he allowed him it allowed him not to commit, um, which I think he could could be viewed as sort of. You know, a bit cowardly, but I actually think it was pretty smart. I mean, in the end, the six that went, that six got, that, the six that missed out were probably expected. Um, but you never know. Could have someone like Ben White, if he really impressed in training, could have you know could have made the twenty-six man squad. Um, and actually, I think it was smart, especially with the injuries to Henderson and Maguire, just to just an extra few players in to see how they how they cope, and also good experience moving forward. You know, just them being in and around that. The, the first team England squad in that environment for future tournaments. Do you also, you also feel, feel it's, it's, it's a it's bit a... difficult for the 26-man squad in particular? Because with 23 players, you'll have the 11, and then you'll have the subs, and then usually two will miss out. But with 26, it's now going to be increased to, what, five? Mm. Do you think that's going to be a burden? Because obviously players will be in the squad who will be left out who may feel that they deserve a chance. Yeah, it's a good point. Um Yes, I think I think that is tough for those for those five players that that, that would then not even make this bench. But I'd imagine that would change with each match. Um, you know, that, that's just a match day squad, isn't it? Twenty one. Um, so yeah, it's 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 tough for them, but they're they're going to have chances in training to to show what they can do, and and each each match is going to be different. You know, they they might re- they might require one one game, another one not. So I I think. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't. Think it's a major issue. I think the twenty-six man is feels like a lot. But actually, I, th- I think it's, I think it's about right, especially with with how intense the last couple of seasons have been with COVID. I think I think you need those extra three just just in case. And we saw even last night Trent pick up an injury, and suddenly you know twenty-six man looks quite smart and actually bringing four backs looks quite smart as well. And um, what what did you make of the twenty-six man squad? 
in itself? Like, do you think there are any players that missed out who deserve to be there? Do you think there are any players that might be fortunate to be there? Um, like I said, it's all it's ultimately it's all subjective. I think that's important to remember. Everyone has a different opinion. You know, I personally love Ben Godfrey. I think he's had an outstanding season. And, you know, if you're going off form and quality that he's shown this season, and also, by the way, he's captain for the under-21s. Uh, when earlier this, at the, this uh, few weeks ago with the um, under-21 under Euros, which we'll probably get into it later. Um, I thought, anyways, I thought he's had a regular season and there's a huge, strong argument for, he, for him to make 26-man squad, let alone 33. And obviously he misses out to probably Tyron Mings takes his place, uh, who's had a okay season, but he's, he's, he's not even the best centre-back of Edra, in my opinion. Um, but then I, I get the argument why he's made it. He's made it because he's left-footed, which is the only, only left-footed centre-back around, really, available for England. And also ha- has experience with England. Um, he's a bit older. You know, I, there's... There's always been arguments both ways. I can see why Southie made a decision. Same with Cody. Vast experience, captain for his club, really vocal. Experience playing the back three. At the same time, you could say that um, Wolves said, well, have had a really disappointing season. Actually, someone like Ben White also has experience playing a back three. You know, an argument for him. So I think it, I think it works both ways. There wasn't anyone that totally shocked me. Maybe the one that shocked me most was was Ward Prowse missing out in the twenty six. I just thought he might make it with his with his set pieces. I think it could be quite quite crucial. But then again, there's the caveat that uh, Trent and Trippier, you know, there's there's already quality set pieces in the squad. But I don't think anyone to his level. But that's that's my opinion. If, if I if I was if I was there, I would have taken one less right back and probably taken Ward Prowse. But apart from that, I don't think there's too many complaints. And also probably swap out Godfrey for one of the centre backs. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree personally. I think. This is no disrespect to Tyrone Mings, but I just don't understand how, like, I feel like one of the main reasons is because he's left footed, as you say, but I just feel like Esri Concert at Villa, I feel like he, he should have been more deserving of a call-up, honestly. Well, Concert like, didn't even make the 33-man squad, which really shocked me. I mean, yeah. he, he's, I think he's had a fantastic season, probably on par with Godfrey, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. That really surprised me. What, what, so what was your take on the, on the six that missed out then? You mentioned Jesse Lingard earlier. How do you assess him? With Lingard, it's really difficult because I feel like at West Ham, he's found his level, really. I do feel he could be a top 10 or maybe even top 8 player, but I just feel he does a lot better when he's got space to run into. And I just feel like with England, he may not get that space. So I do see why he's been left out. But, you know, his form at the end of the season, I think, was more than deserving of a place, even if it's just on the bench or not even getting into the squad on some games. I just feel like he did deserve a spot. Mm. Um, and you mentioned Ward Prowse as well, and I, like, I was surprised that he wasn't included, because, like, I know this is a very stereotypical to say, but his set piece delivery, you know, and because that's pretty much what people know him as, which I think is unfair, because I do think he's got a lot more to his game. Oh. But his set piece delivery, you know, would help England a lot, considering some of the, you know, if Maguire is fit enough, that's going to help. I mean, who else is there that's going to take the set pieces? I mean, Grealish? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think it's brilliant. Also, you've got the—he's he's like the only player to play every minute of the last two seasons. You know, he's so reliable. So I think I think he's really—I think he's really unlucky actually to miss out. And I think if he played—if he didn't play at Southampton, who've had a really really bad 2021, he'd probably be in there. You know, there is there is a bit of that sort of bias. Even 
even Lingard, you know, West Ham are finished um, sixth. Was it sixth in the end? I think it was. Um, so they might have been, you know, if he, if he was on the former playing at Brighton or something, he might have missed out then. So I think I think that does sadly still play a slight part in it. But I was really pleased to see the likes of Ben White uh, be called up despite Brighton finishing 16th or 17th, um, 17th whatever, whatever it was. Um, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was really interesting. So, so you, you're pleased with the, with the 26 in the end? Yeah, I think obviously the four right-backs thing is a bit odd, but I can see what I think is obvious he's going to be playing three at the back, isn't it? I mean, yeah. if Maguire doesn't make it, then it will be a three at the back, I feel. But if he does make it, you know, if he is fit enough and like fully fit, like because if it's lower than 80%, you know, fitness, then I just don't really see a point in playing him because it's just going to be a big risk, especially in a European tournament. Um, but I didn't really have any other surprises. Like it was just the four right backs for me. I just, because, you know, I mean, Kyle Walker pretty much will be playing a centre back if they play a back three. Mm. Um, the same could be said for Rhys James as well, actually. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. And maybe Trent could even play in midfield if, if you know, Southgate, you know, wants to test or try around with other things. But apart from that, no, I, I don't think there was many, there were many shocks, to be honest. You mentioned um, Harry Maguire there. Do you think including him in, in the 26 is the right, the right call? And the same with Jordan Henderson, two players that have been out injured for, for a while now. Uh, Maguire's injury much more recent, I know, but you know, even so, both both serious stats of the tournament. Do you think? Do you think taking both of them is still the right call in the twenty six? When actually those places could have gone to fully fit players who were informed. I I do think it was the right decision because this has happened before with England. I mean, R- Wayne Rooney was hit and miss to go to was a Euro two thousand four, the World Cup in two thousand six was one of the two, and you know he still travelled. And I just think. When you've got Maguire, who is arguably, well, I, to me, he's England's best defender, and you've got Jordan Henderson, who's so vocal and so crucial in the midfield, I just feel like you've just got to take them. Like, even if even if they're not even back fit until the knockout stage, I still feel like they're going to be crucial for the team itself because, obviously, you need to focus on the morale as well. Mm. And, obviously, I assume, would would Henderson have been the captain if he was fit or would have been Kane? No, well, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know, but I'd imagine it would still be Kane. If Kane yeah. was appointed captain, I think. And he's he's been captain even when Jordan Henderson's been in the team. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I do think it was the right decision. But if okay, I'm going to ask a question for you. If you could replace those two, you know, Maguire and Henderson, who would you who would you bring in? I think the two I mentioned really. I think God, Godfrey and uh, Ward Prowse would be would be the two. Uh, I think even stylistically, Ward Prowse is kind of similar to Henderson, and Godfrey's got experience playing the back three and and the flat back four as well. He's really versatile. I think those would be the two for me. But I, I agree with you. I think I think it's the right call, even if they only play one game or not even that. I think just have to have that experience and both captains for their clubs as well, which I think in the, in the tournament situation, especially with the such an inexperienced squad. I mean, like half of these guys going, and it's their first major tournament. I think you know, but maybe more than that. Um, so I think having having two captains, club captains, who are so vocal, uh, I think is important, even if they don't. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One one question for you here. Um, obviously, Southgate's decision with cutting the six was aided or perhaps hindered, certainly impacted by the news that Mason Grimwood uh, got an injury very late. I think it was on uh, last Friday, might have been. I think it might have been. Yeah. Um, do you think if he if he hadn't got the injury, do you think he would have gone? What you you know. I think he would have. I think he would have gone. It's just what 
what part would he have played? Because I think there are so many players that are ahead of him, not in terms of quality, but in just in, t- in Southgate's mind, who I think would play ahead of him. Like I think Sterling w- would be ahead of him, Sancho, Rashford. Obviously, if he was to play a striker, then there's no doubt who's going to be the striker. It's going to be Kane and then Calvert-Lewin. So I just don't really think, even if he was fit, I just don't really see the, the benefit. Obviously, going to a European tournament is going to be a, you know, it's going to be an experience for any young player. And he is still only 19. But is he really going to get the game time or would it be better, you know, selfishly for Man United to have him back, you know, for preseason training and stuff just so he can get up to up to full fitness and ready for next season? So I do think I think he would have gone, but I don't think he would have played very much. No. And if he so if so you think he would have gone, who do you think would have missed out if he if he went? Or I'm gonna be I'm controversial, I'll say Jack Grealish, because I just don't think he would have Really? You think yeah. Grealish might have missed out? Yeah. Wow. I mean it's just who else would miss out because it's, it won't be Sterling, it wouldn't be Sancho, it wouldn't be Rashford or Kane or Calvert Lewin. So I just think Maybe 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 Saka or one of the right backs might miss out. Yeah, true. Didn't even think of Saka. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Let's move on to Saka then, who was named man of the match and scored the only goal in last night's 1-0 victory over Austria. Um, pretty much a full-strength Austria side. David Alaba was captain here inside and you had the likes of Xavier Schlager from, from Wolfsburg and amongst other talents, uh, Christoph Baumg- uh, Baumgartner. Um, it, was a, it, was a good, it was a good team. Yeah. And they did strike... Did you watch the game, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being an England fan. Yeah. <laughs> So you know they they did they, they did frustrate England as as is so often is the case. It wasn't much space in behind. How did you assess the performance last night from England? I don't think it was a good performance personally. I just there were times you know as as a New England fan as you seem to put it that I was you know pretty bored. <laughs> you know it's just I think we missed in the front three in particular because obviously we had Grealish. I just think we missed a runner in behind because there was no Sterling, there was no Rashford. It was just I felt the front th- front three was just a bit slow. Obviously. You know, the formation last night was a three at the back. Um, obviously, I, just, I don't know. I just feel like it's a bit of a precursor, really, to how I feel how I feel the tournament's actually going to go in itself. Really? So I'm just, yeah, it's just, to me, Southgate just seems like a very pragmatic manager. You know, it's just the the three at the back thing. The I, don't know, I just feel like he's going he's gonna to stick to three at the back, you know, in my opinion. It's just, I feel like last night's game was just a bit... You know, you'd hope it's just a friendly thing, but still, I just wasn't very confident. What did you make of it? I think it's important also to remember that the likes of Foden and Mounts players that are so electric and such performance this this season weren't available. You know, it, it's 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 ultimately sort of half strength side, isn't it? Um, when you're missing when you're missing the likes of Foden, Mount, and, and Reece James, and even Sterling and and Rashford, all you know. Or the Chelsea City and United players, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, it was. It was disappointing, and I agree with you. And it was fairly dull viewing. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased for Saka to get to get his first goal at only 19. Pretty extraordinary. And I think Grealish had a really good performance. Um, I think Trent did okay. Did okay. Yeah, I think he did okay. Um, didn't didn't get too exploited defensively, which I think was encouraging to see. You know, he, he dealt quite a few times. Did Tracked back well or in, intercepted a pass well, recovered possession. I think Bellingham really stood out. As well. Yeah, I was just going to mention him. Yeah, uh, and he—he's—I think last night if he if he plays again on the weekend against uh, Romania, I think it is. Um, he, he could put put some similar similar performance against them. He could he could make a real 
real claim to be a starting player in the Euros. So I think he played really well. But there were there were, there were a few encouraging performances. Something to, something something to Southgate to think about. It's just hard to know how how much to look into, isn't it? You know how, how much you look into these sort of games where it's not it's not the full strength side, and and it's a friendly. You know, it, it felt like a friendly. There wasn't wasn't much sort of desire to you know to win the game. Um, it, was, it was just a bit nothing. Yeah, it's so so is, so often is the case with with these England friendlies. Um, I feel like Sun is it Sunday we're playing Romania? Oh, we're playing Romania. Is it Sunday England are playing Romania? Uh, I believe. So, yeah. I feel like that will be a bigger indicator of because obviously the players that were playing in the European Cup finals would have had more time to you know come in and train and stuff. So I do feel like that game will you know give us a better hint of you know how we'll line up, how we'll play and stuff. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Then and then, but I, I do expect to see a, a change in gear when England play Croatia next weekend. I, I really do. You know, I think it's gonna be a different different story entirely when it, when when there's, when there's something on the line. Yeah, and I'm sure. So next week we'll, we'll talk about more how we think the group stage will go and who's going to progress out of the groups. But um, for the time being, should we move on to? You mentioned the you mentioned the European Cup finals there. <laughs> talk yeah. about them. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, from my point of view, neither game was incredible. Both. No. Um, both slightly lower. I mean, but I, I would say that the the uh, the penalty shootout on last Wednesday was very dramatic. And that, let's let's talk about that. The Europa League final. I did call it in the first episode. I did say the Villarreal might might just edge it. <laughs> they they did just that. Is it was it them playing well? Was it a, just a bit of luck in the end? As, as I know, is often the case. Penalties. It's a you know. Um, Bit of a lottery, isn't it? Um, or was it United? Should United have done 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 more in in normal time? Okay, so I've got I've, I've got a lot I've got a lot to say on this. First of all, you predicted that Gerard Moreno would score. You said he'd be the danger man, and he scored, um, which I thought was pretty <laughs> you know, good guess. <laughs> but um, right on the game itself, I mean, look, the, when the team news came out, I thought that's the ideal team. We're going to go. We'll win this. Yeah. You know. We had Pogba and McTominay in the, in the pivot, which I feel like is the best the best midfield two that we currently have. Um, you know, we had you know we had Greenwood, Bruno, uh, Rashford, and Cavani in the front four. It was a, yeah, it was Greenwood. Um, and then the game kicked off, and first, I mean, we just, I mean, the second half we played better, but the first half we were awful. We just did not turn up, and you know, I I, I said this that. Unai Emery is a very good manager in this competition. <laughs> he's won it. He's now won it four times. It was three before. It's now four, and you know he knows how to. He knows how to set up his teams defensively. I mean, Villarreal. Can we just talk about Villarreal? Etienne yeah. Capoue. I mean, he was at Watford. He was a. Was he a bench player for Spurs? Um, it was so long ago. I couldn't tell you actually. He wasn't. He wasn't the star of the team by any means. Well, you. I mean, he was, I'd say he was Watford. He was he was he was really good. One of my one of my best mates was a Watford fan, and he was he, he was honestly every week he'd just sing his praises. Loved him, and um, he was he was man of the match. I mean, Pogba was. I mean, he played a few good passes, Pogba, but Capoue was running the midfield, and I just think, you know, what if if Villarreal's midfield is you know overwhelming United's midfield because I do admit they had Parejo, who I do rate a lot because he's very technically gifted. Um. And Trudeau lost as well in the midfield. Yeah. He's a good player. Um, yeah, they did. They did deserve to win over the full game. Obviously, 
you know, winning a, a cup final on penalty shootouts, I don't know whether it's fair. I mean, I can't really say, well, it's not fair when obviously United have won a European Cup on a penalty shootout. Yeah. But um, can we just talk about the penalty shootout itself for a bit? Um, there were <laughs> Tell tw- you what, 21 you. penalties, I think. Was it 21 or 22 penalties? It, it, it finished 11-10 to Villarreal. Yeah, 21. Yeah. So... I, <laughs> As, I mean, as a neutral, I loved yeah. it. Oh, I did not. <laughs> the, the goalkeeping on the slate was very questionable. Yeah. I mean, it, it, should have, it could have ended a lot sooner. There were a few very average penalties that probably should have been saved. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk about the penalty shootout then? Yeah. So, okay. So I'm going to talk about the moments leading up to the penalty shootout itself. <laughs> okay. Look, I have, I'm a, a staunch Oli Gunnar Solskjaer supporter, but yeah. why did he keep on David De Gea? He hasn't saved a penalty since... About four years. It's about four or five years. I think it was the FA Cup semi-final against Everton, and it was Lukaku that was taking it, so that'll tell you how long ago it was. Um, you think you think that he should have done a he should have done, he should have done a Van Howe and bought on the keeper for penalties? <laughs> okay, I'm... You know, hindsight's a, a wonderful thing, as everyone knows, but... Take it, I don't know, it's such a, a catch-22 because if you take off De Gea, then his confidence is just going to be gone. And, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be going with Henderson, who I do think will be the, you know, the number one goalkeeper. But, you know, he got nowhere near any of the penalties. I mean, I think he had one where he probably should have saved it. But apart from that, he was just going nowhere near them. And about, I think about four of the penalties just went down the middle. And it's like, I, I know you, if you just stay down the middle, you know, and it goes either side, it's going to look a bit bad that you just stand still. Yeah. But I think it came out after the game. He had notes on where they were going to go. And one of them, I think it was Trigueros, that went down the middle. And, he, and the coaches told him he was going to go down the middle. And he still dived anyway. So if he had just stayed down the middle, he would have saved it. And again, again, I know hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, as a United fan, the penalty shootout was genuine torture. <laughs> I mean, if that was Spurs, I would have hated it. I would have been Reese, who also is not the best penalties. So Larice went on like a hot streak of sort of saving three or four in a row, and then it's all went, you know, apart from that, yeah, not, not, not his strength. It's a difficult one, isn't it? And like, like you say, everything's a lot easier, so much easier in, in hindsight. Um, I was actually going to, when I was sort of preparing to, to, to record this earlier, I was thinking about asking you about the, the goalkeeper situation. I think when you say about it being a catch-22 and taking off to Hay would have ruined his confidence, I think you're bang on there I'm just not sure you can feasibly really do that unless unless you've got a, a penalty specialist like 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 Tim Krull when he was bought on you know everyone knows he's a penalty, penalty specialist I just think it's such a bold move that if it backfires then you're going to get so much criticism and, and he, either way the keeper that comes off in this case De Gea like you say his confidence is going to be shot and that probably be the end of his, his time at United if, he, if, he, if, that, if that was the case so I think I think um, Solskjaer did, did the right thing there in keeping him on. I think he has to keep him on. But the question would more be, before the match, you know this, it potentially could go to penalties. And Henderson's got a much better record. I think it's, it's like 7 in 14 or something. Uh, it's, he saved 8 penalties out of 19. So 8 of yes. 19. So not, yeah. that, that's really impressive. So ne- nearly, nearly every other one, which is extraordinary, really. You know, uh, my, my, my question would more be, that but before the game, should he, you know, he's he's going to manager's going to know that. Should he make that decision, knowing that it could 
potentially go to penalties. I think, well, there were rumours that whoever was starting this game, the other goalkeeper would be sold. Now, I don't know whether that's true. Really? I really hope it's, yeah, that's, that was the rumour. I don't know whether that's true. But, um, I th- you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I do think that starting De Gea was the right decision because I feel like he did so well in the semi-final in Rome. He pretty much kept us in the game because true. he made so many saves. But looking back on it now, I mean, just mentioning the penalties again because, you know, just love to you know, torture myself. But when De Gea was stepping up to take his penalty, he did not look confident at all. And like you could just see he didn't... Like, I think he took like a... It was just such a, a casual stride up to take the penalty. I was just like, oh, no. And then when he missed, it was just, yeah. But... In fairness, he, you're not going to expect your keeper to walk up with confidence unless it's, unless it's someone like Pickford or Edison. No. You're not expecting to walk up with, you know, with chest out, you know, because they're going to... That's the last thing they want. They, they're not expecting it to get that far. It probably shouldn't have got that far either. But um, also, in the penalties themselves, he didn't look confident either, like, you know, trying to save them. Because, you know, like, you know, goalkeepers, you know, they try and put off the penalty taker as much as possible. You know, I mean, there's so many little things that you can do that I just didn't see him doing. He did a bit of that, didn't he? I think he did a bit, but... Time to walk over, doing his laces or whatever it was. He did a little bit of that, I noticed. Yeah. I... I don't know. The goalkeeper situation is such a it it flips back and forth every week. I just think in in the first place, I don't think it was a good idea to keep two you know goalkeepers that want to be starters for United there because it's just going to cause issues. And I think we're finally starting to see those issues now. Um, well, can I just touch on that quickly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. I was going to ask also, what happens next season? Does does one go? Is does De Gea stay and Henderson's loaned out? I'm really intrigued to get your thoughts on. Firstly, who you'd like to see as a regular number one next season and also what you think is going to happen. Okay, so I think who I'd like to see... I'll go with... Right. Who I'd like to see, Dean Henderson. Who I think will be goalkeeper is Dean Henderson. I do think the Solskjaer will go with him because... Right, why do I want to see him start? I want to see him start because I just feel like he's... What, 23, 24? I just feel like... De- I don't know what's happened to De Gea since since the World Cup, the last yeah. World Cup in Russia. Was it, it was Russia, wasn't it? Yeah. Since, since the Ronaldo... Free, since, since that Ronaldo hat-trick. Yeah, yes. It literally is. Since then, it's just... I don't know what's happened. I mean, he's had... Like, last season, he sort of did okay. I mean, he made a few mistakes, but he did okay. But it's just since then, he's just kind of just gone down. And I just think, you know, I get the sentiment. You know, he's won us a title. He's, he's been our player of the season four out of the last five seasons. Really? Yeah, yeah. So after after Stralix Ferguson left, yeah, he was player of the year for four of the last five. Um, because he's on such big wages, I think his contract is something stupid like three hundred and fifty thousand a week or something like that. Yeah, I think so. So where, where does he go? That that's that, that's the other thing, isn't it? Because you look around Europe and pretty much all the big sides have got to keep sorted, and also in some of their cases for long term as well. Like look at. You know, he, he wouldn't go back to he wouldn't go back to Atletico Madrid because Yano Paxari is arguably the best keeper in the world, and he's still relatively young for a keeper, like twenty seven, I think. Same with Sagan at Barca, same with Courtois at Real Madrid. So it's not not the same. You look at Juve; they've got Chesney and maybe Donnarumma coming in, who yeah. just, you know would be a long term, you know, crazy. You look at uh, PSG. Donnarumma I could go there. AC Milan by Mike Magnon from Lille. So that's sort of sorted. 
maybe maybe Inter. Handanovic is quite old, but he's he's been great for them the last couple of seasons. Yeah, Pusci um, maybe, but then you know he's not an improvement currently on Nevas, is he? And he's a similar age. Nevas maybe a couple of years older. It's it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's a really difficult one. And I think there's a thing with him with the return uh, with a reunion with with Mourinho at Roma. Do you think that's likely? Is it a wage an issue? The wage will be an issue because. You, you say Inter, but they they're in such you know they're in a lot of money issues at the moment. I think they're losing Hakimi to PSG, I think, or Chelsea, or one of the two. Um, so I don't think Inter's an option. I could see PSG being an option purely because I don't really rate Navas that well. I mean, you do say that they're on level playing field, but um, I do think De Gea's better slightly. Really? Yeah, um, but Roma, I could I could see him going to Roma, but then. But then you mentioned financial stuff at Inter. Roma, like, I think they finished seventh, something like Europa League conference level. Yeah. Um, uh, so are, are they going to have enough money to pay those sort of wages? Is that, is that also a priority position? I don't know. I mean, Romero, who's our like third choice goalkeeper, he's supposed to be going to Roma or I think oh, it's Roma or Leeds. That, that makes more sense. That makes yeah. Sense. It's a difficult one, isn't it? So you think, you think Henderson should be number one next season and also will be number one next season? Yeah. And I think. Again, if you look at the oh, wait, Henderson, not without his faults, also. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll accept that. Like he has, he has his faults. You know, he's there was a goal against Liverpool where he literally left half the goal open for Salah to just put it into the corner. I mean, you know, he didn't come out to it to Salah originally, but anyway, moving on, we lost the game. Um, you know, he does have his faults. He's not the best. You know, coming out claiming crosses. You know, he's a bit like De Gea. He does punch at crosses sometimes. I think he's good with his feet. I think he's good with with his passing, but I don't know. It's such a difficult one because if you say we'll keep De Gea, then you could get good money for Henderson because he's English because he's young. Um, yeah, there'll be, be, be plenty of clubs interested in Henderson for sure. Spurs is one probably. Yeah, I think it, I think it came out on Sky Sports. It was like Spurs, Chelsea, and Dortmund are interested. So I interesting. Actually, Dortmund Dortmund just signed um, Gregor Kobel from Stuttgart. So these these that's sorted long term. Yeah. But I, I, it's not—it's not really a good thing for Solskjaer to have to deal with. It's not a nice thing to have to decide because I do think they both have their qualities. Yeah, and, and I just think I find it really odd the situation. Like you say, it's a mess in the first place having two keepers of similar abilities-ish, or both both at least think they do, competing for one number one. You want—I think it's so important that the club to have a set first choice goalkeeper, maybe a cup goalkeeper. Something like that, but I think you know you need to have that consistency. It makes such a big difference to your defenders. So I, I do find the situation very strange. You don't think that both would leave and you buy a new one, buy a new keeper, do you? Well, I mean, you say this. I mean, there was a rumor last week that it's going to sound ridiculous, but we were going to trade De Gea for Oblak and give them money. I mean, it's it's rubbish. I don't believe that at all. But that is a rumor. I. I don't think we'd sell both of them because who are you going to get? I mean, as you say, Donnarumma's going to Juventus. I think you said, yeah, Juventus. It's actually, it's it's it actually hasn't been anything too concrete with with Donnarumma, but um, I'd imagine it'd be either PSG or Juventus, maybe Barca is linked as well, actually. Yeah, and you know, it's the last thing I'll say on it, but it's just such a difficult decision. I do think he will go with Henderson, and I do think ultimately that will be the right one. Mm. But it's it's not an easy one. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah, so, so the penalties are painful to watch, I imagine, for you, even though it's good fun for neutral. But all 11 penalties went in, the only save being, being Ruiz against against the hair. And then the, the United's 11th, 
just unbelievable. Um, the, the match itself, you think you, you think United should have, should have done more in normal time. It should never have got that. Should never got to that stage. It was the same old issues that I have with Solskjaer coming up again. It was the the lack of substitutes. We didn't make a substitute until extra time. I think. I think it was Fred that came and, on. Um, Emery made five. You made five. The time you your first. It it was such a crucial moment. After we scored, the momentum was with us. We should have done something, just changed something, just to keep the momentum because we had the momentum. We scored. We looked like, you know, we'd be in the ascendancy, and he didn't. He just kept it how it is. And yeah, maybe that is because he hasn't got the quality on the bench, which I disagree with. Maybe that is because he doesn't trust his whole squad. But I don't know. I mean. It comes back again to whether he's going to be backed enough, you know, are we going to make the signings that we need to make? Because we've said this so many times, I do think we are close to, you know, winning the Premier League or winning the Champions League. I'd say we're we're in this we're in this zone where we make a few signings, we'll get there. If we don't, we'll just slowly stagnate. You're, 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 almost, you're sort of Spurs 2016-17. Yeah, I was just going to say that, yeah. Yeah, that's sort of, and I know exactly the feeling. Um, looking at a lineup here, I've got it in front of me. Greenwood started. Is that the right decision? I think, apart from McTominay, I do think Greenwood was United's man of the match. Mm. Um, he made things happen. Obviously, I think he might have been carrying that injury in that game, um, or whether it was last Friday, I'm not sure. But I think he was man of the match for us. Um, I, I think he got taken off, because he didn't take a penalty, did he? He got taken off. Yeah, Fred, 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 Fred came on for him, yeah. Orton, um, Twin, Zabie, then Daniel James, Juan Matter and Alex Tellez. They were your five substitutes, right? <laughs> it begs the question, and I've, I've thought it all season, and it makes me really angry. It's not angry, but you know, just disappointed. Um, the question of Donny van der Beek, who, you know, again, on the bench in the, in, in the final, the biggest game of the season, biggest game for a few years, um, and he didn't didn't even come on in a, in 120 minutes. He can come on. That's a, that's a, for me as an outsider. That's a serious concern. What's the deal with him? What do you think is going to happen there in the summer? Where, where's it gone wrong? Well, if we take it back to last summer when we signed him, I figured because I think the rumor was it was either him or Grealish, and Grealish was because obviously Villa stayed up. It was going to cost like 80 million, yeah. and Van der Beek was 35 to 40. So I do, you know, obviously I get why they went for Van der Beek, but. My fear is that Solskjaer did not want Van der Beek and he wanted Grealish and the board said to him, it's Van der Beek or it's no one. And he said, I'll have Van der Beek. And I do feel like Van der Beek is Pogba's replacement. If Pogba goes this summer, then I do feel like Van der Beek will get games. Um, I, don't, I don't know what's gone on wrong with him because every time I've seen him play for us, I do feel like he's offered something more than what the usual midfield two do. What his best position is, is anyone's guess because well he's sort of box to box isn't he but equally is 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 shows his quality in more in, in a more advanced position at a 10 yeah and it's, it's so difficult though because he's got bruno fernandez who is never getting dropped yeah never <laughs> so he's got that in front of him i think the only way he gets games is if is literally as if pogba goes that's it <laughs> I find it a strange signing actually last summer because you know in an already pretty stacked midfield, certainly his area. I know, I know you can do with more defensive cities here, pretty pretty well with the summer, but I did find it a strange signing at the time. Um, you mentioned Pogba there. Did she, should he should he have done? Firstly, should he have done better in the final? Should he have stepped up? And secondly, are you expecting him to move on the summer? 
Um, to answer your first question, I do think he should have done more. Um, he had a few good passes, but for what we paid for him, eighty-nine million, you, you know, these are these are the games, and this happened before. There are so many games we played where it's a massive game and he just hasn't turned up. And like, I'm a big fan of his. I'm a big, big fan. Like, I do think if we get, you know, if we get a defensive-minded midfielder, that midfield three, if we change to the four-three-three, it'd be, you know, Fernandez, Popa. And a defensive midfielder, let's say Declan Rice, which I don't think will happen, but let's just say his name. But um, no, I think he should have done more. And to answer your second question, do I think he'll move? Um, I don't think he will. I think what will happen is he'll stay, run down his contract, then go next summer, which would be the worst situation because we wouldn't get any money for him. Has he got two years left? No, he's got one year from from now. Year from one year. Summer, really? So he's going into the last year? Yeah. That's a horrible situation to be in, and I know the feeling because we had a similar thing at Spurs with Ericsson, who should have, should have sold in the summer. Sort of thought he thought he might renew, and then had to unbelievably sold him for like twenty million in January to enter, which was just so painful when he, you know, he's such a big player for us. So it's, it's a bad situation to be in. You're not tempted. Do you think? Do you not think it's best to cash in now then, rather than getting nothing for him in January or next summer? Surely. I mean. If if I was you know if I was the decision maker I'd say cash in now because it's the highest fee you're going to get for him because you're not going to get well he can speak to anyone for free in January he can't obviously he can't go yet but he can speak to people for nothing in January so I just think you know he should be moved on now but we all know who his agent is Mina Raiola and <laughs> I think Raiola's asking for ridiculous wages to stay and I just feel like what will happen is that the wages he'll ask for and the transfer fee, if we were to sell him, the transfer fee and the wages is just not going to be, yeah. you know, nobody's going to be able to afford that, specifically now in the climate that we're in. So I do feel like he he will stay for another year. There'll probably be rumours that he'll resign and then end up just going anyway. It's a bad situation to be in, really bad. I'd like to switch the attention back to Villarreal, who obviously were crown champions. They deserve so much credit. I mean, I think it's a town of like 50,000, which is less than less than my nearest town here in East Sussex. Um, an incredible achievement. Their first major trophy, I think. Certainly the first European trophy, but I'm pretty sure it's the first major trophy in the club's history. Um, a lot of that has to be down to Emery. A lot of it also has to be down to the club's recruitment. I think over the last sort of four or five years, they've really built up nicely and they've got a good academy there. Um, it's a huge triumph for the club. It's, I'm so pleased for them. You know, I... I I wasn't too bothered who'd win the final, but I, I, I wanted Villarreal to win it. I did, because I, I think it's a great story. Um, and I just think they deserved it. I, I mean, they weren't... I, I watched the final, um, probably not as intently as you did, but I did watch the final. And, and they weren't amazing, um, but they were organised and they sort of did their job just enough, right? Yeah, and I think because they were massive underdogs, and I think that helped them massively because, you know, they could... They could shut up shop. They can set up defensively. You know, they can be organised. You know, compact and all that. And I, you know, they deserve huge credit. If it was any other side, I'd give them all the credit in the world. But because obviously they beat my team, it's just it's just such a difficult one to take. But yeah. you know, the recruitment. Some of those players. I mean, some of those players would get into our team. I think Pau Torres, the defender, he would he would get into our team. I think the midfield three. Any one of those three, even <laughs> even Etienne Capoue, probably would get into our team, which is just. Just sad, really. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the credit has to go to Emery, right, for getting the best out of these players, you know, who, who were at other places looked not average, but, you know, no, not, not European champions. And 
I will say this. This is just a random side note, but Villarreal's fans, they were making so much noise. I think United had more fans in the stadium, but Villarreal's fans were just making so much noise. And you've got to give massive credit to them because, as you say, it's such a small, such a small town. It's the, it was their first European final. It's their first European trophy. It's, it's incredible. I'm, I'm not surprised they're making so much noise. You know, I, I would be if it was... If it, was, if it was my local town of, of 50,000, it'd be going mental that you're playing Manchester United. It's, it's stuff of dreams. And you, you mentioned a player there I was going to mention as well when I, I said about the, the, the club's academy. Someone that's born in, in Villarreal, local lad, Pau Torres, he mentioned, who's been linked to United, right? Uh, yeah. Left-footed centre-back, quite, uh, quite an elegant, stylish player on the ball as well. Really good on the ball. Um, I thought he had quite a good game against United. Um, may, maybe sort of his audition for the for a summer move. Uh, he's been linked to various places, but United quite strongly. I'm assuming you take him. How how did you assess him, and do you think he'd be a, the perfect addition or to part to partner Maguire? Okay, so he has been linked for for us, you know, with us for a while. I think it started last summer, mm. and I did try and watch, you know, a few of. Spain's because he's he's the first choice Spanish centre back I think he he, he certainly was before uh, Laporte yeah. yes yeah but um, I think stylistically he'd fit us perfectly he's left footed he's quick he's he's brilliant with the ball my only worry is in the air because you know we've we've had Lindelof and I like Lindelof but in the air he is just abysmal <laughs> I mean we saw it again in the final I mean he should have done more really with Moreno I know Moreno's good in the air but still um. I think the fee that we could get him for, I think it's going to be around £50 million, which I think if, because like I think he was, you know, one of Villarreal's best players, I think just pay that because he's young, he's young enough, he's yeah. good enough. You know, I just think it'd be the perfect partner for Maguire. But whether it'll happen or not is a different thing because I think he's been linked to, I think it was Barcelona as well. I might be wrong on that. but surprise me. Yeah, I would, I would take him. He'd be my first choice. Um, there are other centre backs we linked to, you know, high profile ones. But I think no, I think after that performance, you know, to sh- to shut out Fernand- uh, Fernandez, to shut out Cavani, you know, like he did, you know, I think I'd take him. <laughs> yeah, he, he turned twenty four in January, so he's got so much time on his side. Um, lots of like about him, and you mentioned he's not great in the air, but I think I think what, what I like about Torres, and I, I do quite. I mean, I wouldn't like to see him United like to be Spurs, but <laughs> what I link is that he. I think you think he complement Maguire really nicely. They've got you know that their strengths are very are very different, which I think is actually a good thing. You know, to have to have a partnership is that you want you want the sort of nice balance there, and I think he definitely provides that. Um, so yeah, tough final take for you, but but well done, Villarreal. Uh, I saw it coming. Jeremy <laughs> Bullshit, what a man. <laughs> Let's move on um, to the Champions League final, which took place last Saturday. Uh, again, a slightly disappointing game, given the given the two sides involved, given the quality of the players on the show and also the quality of the managers. Bit of a sort of bit of a sort of chess match with the two sort of tactical masterminds trying to just suss each other out, and you know, no one no one sort of play, playing the, playing it a bit safe, maybe, which is often the way in the final because no one wants to be the one to make a mistake. Um, I'll I'll say briefly that you know everyone's sort of spoken about it that we we actually think we mentioned it last we mentioned it last week, uh, on the last podcast uh, Guardiola overthinking things we 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 spoke at length about it 
Um, and his track his track record of doing that, I, I think he probably did it again. He, I think that's I think that's a good way of describing what he did. Um, for those that don't know, I'm sure they do. Everyone's sort of spoken about it. We won't we won't talk about it too long. But um, choosing to go for a midfield three of uh, Gundogan, De Bruyne, Silva, um, with Foden Foden on the left, I think wasn't it? Uh, the first match this season where he hasn't played one of Fernandinho or Rodri. Um, I just think, why? Why? Why change it in the final? It, it annoyed me. I, I didn't mind Chelsea winning too much. I, mean, I, sh- I know I should as a Spurs fan. I think they're quite likeable. I wasn't too bothered either way, really. Um, but I just found it so infuriating. Why change it in the biggest game? What, can you try and make any sense of that? I, I mean, you know, I think... It- just first of all, just some self-promoting. I do think we should give some credit to our podcast because we have predicted that he would overthink it. And we did mention about Tuchel's record against Guardiola. But um, no, I think he's overthinked again. And why he hasn't played just a defensive midfielder, I think it goes to show just how important a defensive midfielder is to any team. You know, it doesn't matter how good you are. You can be Man City, you can be United, you can be Chelsea, Spurs, Liverpool, whatever. You need to have a solid defensive midfielder. You need that balance, don't you? You do, you do. And for some reason, he didn't go with it. Maybe it's because he was overthinking because of, you know, two shots won the last two, you know, meetings against Guardiola. So maybe it was that. Maybe he wanted to spring a surprise on him. But it just, it didn't work at all. <laughs> I think City were just awful. And also, what, what, what was annoying is that when you play Gundogan as the deepest midfielder in the three, sort of the sitting, as opposed to acting as a defensive midfielder, you lose what he's done so well this season. You lose those late runs into the box. You know he's, he's scored so many goals in big games as well from those late runs. And you just when, he, when he's the one that's sat deepest, you lose that entirely. So it was just so many reasons it backfired. And you saw with the Chelsea goals, he finished one nil, not overly eventful. You saw with the goal the space that Havertz had to run into, the space that and time that Mount had to pick to pick that pass as good as it was. I think the Chelsea goal was really nicely worked. Actually, quite a one. So the one touch quick build up, um, and credit to credit to Mount for finding him, and credit, credit to Havertz for making that run off coming in from the left. Um, Zinchenko, by the way, is also at fault for that goal. I think by not tracking his man, but a lot of that was down to not having a DM. So it, you know, it directly he directly paid the price for making that decision. Yeah, um, I think you mentioned it. You know, Gundogan's nominated for Player of the Year, and that's because of his you know attacking threat. And I just think to play him as a defensive midfielder or as the deepest midfielder in a Champions League final. I mean, if it worked, we'd be calling him a genius. If yeah. Obviously, it didn't. So, we're, you know, we're not calling him an idiot or anything. But, you know, we're just saying that he's overthinked it massively. And I just think, you know, he's got, he's got to stop doing this because it's, it's not the first time that he's done this. I think, I, I don't know. I thought this was City's Champions League to lose, honestly. I thought they were going to be, you know, to me, they were massive favourites. We did mention that Chelsea might just sneak it, but I just, I just didn't. Predicted. I thought City were going to wipe the floor with them, but one thing to mention though, uh, I, I think I heard it yesterday or something like that. But, um, that maybe we shouldn't be as surprised that City didn't win because I think a, t- a team hasn't won a Champions League final in their first attempt of trying since like the nineties. I think it might, might have been like Dortmund in the nineties or something like that. So it doesn't. And happy very funny. You know, you look at. I hate to mention it again. You look at Spurs a few years. Ago, you know, the, you you need that experience in the final. Maybe, maybe they're just lucky in that. So I do think they'll. I think I think they'll be back, and I think next time 
hopefully he doesn't make the same mistake twice. Um, but again, a lot of credit has to go to the, the champion. A lot of credit has, has to go to Chelsea and Tuchel. I mean, I think he got it fairly spot on. He, he, he stuck with his best team. He stuck with what he knows best. Uh, I mean, I think Chelsea more than deserve to win. I think Tuchel set, set them up brilliantly. I mean, Rhys James, I, I don't know what's happened to him, but Rhys James was superb. N'Golo Kante, once again, was superb. Um, Kai Havertz is proving me wrong. I did not think he was going to be, you know, I mean, obviously the price tag was a big talking point, but, you know, to turn up in a Champions League final, to score the winning goal, yeah. I think that's really just well, silenced yeah. any. Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, Mason Mounts playing well again. I think Premier League winners next season, Dark Horse is Chelsea. Prediction now. <laughs> totally agree. I was going to I was going to mention that actually. It's something I think about earlier. I, I I do think that Chelsea now are the closest rivals to City in terms of pushing them next season. If it isn't City, I think it might still be them, especially if they get Kane in the summer. But if it isn't them, I think Chelsea are the are the ones pushing. Under under Tuchel, they look so well drilled. Tuchel's really really impressed me. I've always liked him since since Dortmund. I can't I can't, I can't claim to have watched his mind side much, but I. But since Dortmund, I, I think he's a really good coach, and he, but he's—I didn't expect him to be this good when he came to Chelsea and came to Premier League. He's really taken taken you by surprise in a good way. No, and I think obviously a lot of money's been spent on that Chelsea team last summer. I mean, we had Chilwell. I mean, Thiago Silva was free, but Chilwell, Havertz, Werner, Ziyech. Obviously, that team has had money put into it, but you know, to win a Champions League, it's not even his first full season. And to win a Champions League, I mean, it's just. Superb. I mean, I think he is a brilliant manager, and I think if Chelsea had a striker that's that doesn't miss chances as often as Timo Werner does, then mm-hmm. I do think that they could be favourites. Well, not favourites. I think they'll be dark horses for the league, but they'll be my favourites anyway. Yeah, and actually, they're, I hate to say it as a Spurs fan, but they're a really likable team. Really likable. You know, all of their players, all the all the players stepped up in the final, which was a big difference between them and City. A lot, a lot of City players were sort of hiding. Maybe that's down to the system. I'm not sure, but but they, they they stepped up, and there's a lot of there's a lot to like about the Chelsea team, and yeah, I, th- I think a lot of the players are very likable. You mentioned Kante, um, yeah, I think I think they're a really really good team to watch play good football, and like you say, definitely dark horses for next season. And I think you know Chelsea to me anyway. I've never really been a fan of Chelsea. You know, when they had Lampard and Jogba and Terry, there was just something about them. But I think. This team, I do really like them as much as it pains me. I do really like the Chelsea side. I just think the team is so likable. I mean, I mentioned the English guys again, Mount and James. I mean, they're just very likable people, and obviously Kante and everything. And Aspilicueta. I mean, yeah, yeah. How how old is he now, and he's still doing it in a Champions League final? Yeah, I mean, he he's been phenomenal for them. It was it like eight million from Marseille in twenty twelve? It's a fantastic time. Yeah, he, I think he served them so well. He's thirty one now. Thirty-one. So, oh. he's, he's been crucial. Might, that might, might be an area they look to look to invest in in the summer, with with Silver being mid thirties as well. Um, you mentioned Werner and his lack of goals. I must say, I thought he played quite well in the final. Obviously, he missed he missed a few chances, which he definitely should have scored. I'm not, you know, that's definitely a valid criticism to throw at him that he has missed way too many chances. But I do think he's a good player. I think as I think his runs off the ball are, are vital for Chelsea. I think his movement's fantastic. And actually, I, I pose this question. If 
the likes of Havertz, Ziyech, Pulisic, Mount, if they step up in, in front of goal and if they're scoring the goals, do Chelsea need to buy a new striker this summer? Because I think Werner, I think the system works really well. Werner's runs, pull defenders out wide, and the, the likes of Havertz can come inside in the space created by Werner to finish the shot. I, it, it, it sort of works in a weird way. Do Chelsea need to buy a striker this summer? I think you mentioned it there. I think the two of them, Werner and Havertz, together, they work so well. Because I, the, for the Chelsea goal, I mean, you know, Werner's dragging the defender out and so it gives Havertz the space. Do Chelsea need a striker? I'd say they do. I don't know. I think Werner's first season, he has scored goals. It's just, you know, I think just that, you know, the bad moments stick out more than the good moments because he has missed so many chances. But I do agree with you. I do think he's had a, a solid first season, you know, compared to where I thought he would have been. Because, you know, after the first half of the season where he didn't look very good, in my opinion. But, you know, I do think he, he is... And he's still young. He's still, what, 24? Werner. Yeah, and I think... Yeah, they think that's 25 or something, yeah. And it is his first season. His first season in the Premier League and he's a Champions League winner, so... The, I think he's actually Chelsea's top scorer and top assistant this season. You know, yeah. that's, that's sort of... Slightly pointless because you know the context is also, the context is that Chelsea generally have, the goals have been very much spread out. So and also we know we know he should have scored twice as many as he has done. But I, I'd agree he hasn't been a total disaster. And I think that his I think his movement is is is, is crucial is crucial to Chelsea. And I, it it does I do see this working. But I I I'd probably agree that they could still do with a with a top striker. But the question is, what top striker is there? Because obviously there's Kane, but would Kane and Havertz work as well? I mean, it could. I mean, what other strikers are there? Lukaku's been linked. Haaland. I can see Haaland moving um, to Chelsea. I really can see that. And I think he would work well in the system, actually. His, his movements is, is elite as well. Um, but I, I, don't think, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's disastrous. I think, I think they could still... I think they can still mount a really good top challenge even with Werner up front and the likes of Havertz and Mount in behind or Pulisic in behind. I think that does work. I think, and I think a lot of that has to go down to Tuchel for getting a system that, that suits all the players really well. Yeah, and I think obviously there are areas that they probably do need to strengthen. I do think they need another centre-back. Yeah. You know, I think Nicolas Soule from Bayern has been mentioned. Um, yeah, so I think, I think I do, they, do need, you know, they do need players to come in. But I do think they're one or two away from winning the league. I think they're that good. And I rate them, their manager so highly. You know, why weren't more, why weren't more clubs in for him? I don't know. Yes. Just another quick word on City. We saw De Bruyne go off in the um, 60th minute uh, in tears with, through injury, fourth through injury. Um, doesn't, doesn't look great. Do you think he's going to miss the Euros and, and how, much, how much of a loss is that for City and Belgium? I've, I do feel sorry for De Bruyne. I mean, he has been very good this season. You know, to see him come off in tears in the final, it's not, it's not very nice. I, do, I think he'll be back for the Euros. I think, I think he is training with the Belgium squad. I might be wrong on that, but I do think he is. I think... I don't know. I just don't think he played that well up until his injury no. in the final. I don't know about you, but... Um, no, I, th- I think the whole team... Eve, I think... I'm not sure you can blame the... Lack of a Rodri or Fernandinho completely. I mean, that definitely played a big part. Like, like I mentioned earlier, that balance of the team, that, that familiarity as well. That's that's the main. If that's the main thing for me, it's the, it's, there's a familiarity for the centre backs having that player in front of them. But even 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 with Pep making that 
decision they should have done better than they did. The, the, and I think the pitch is, is certainly enough to, to. I think they had like a couple of shots on target. It wasn't, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't enough, in my opinion. But I do think people are looking into the defensive midfield a bit too much. Yeah. Because, you know, yes, they, they needed one. But I do feel like this is going to be controversial. But Raheem Sterling, I know he scored goals this season, but I don't know why. But every time I watch him, he just does not impress me. And I think this is going to apply to England. But I do think he will be the starting winger for England. You do. I think, yeah, I do think he will because I feel like they need that runner in behind. It's either him or Rashford that I think will start. Um, I think that was a mistake to play him. You know, I, I'm not sure who else could have come in really, but I do. I don't really think he should have started the final. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's just with the De Bruyne thing. I just with Belgium. This is, sorry, this is just veering off to the Euros. But with Belgium, I do think he will do really, really well. Because he's got he's got Lukaku, you know he's got the man that he can whip in his crosses from the right, <laughs> you know. So I do think I, I think he'll be probably one of the players of the tournament in in the Euros. To be honest, I hope he plays. Uh, you know, just just for the sake of the tournament and and the, and the teams facing him, you want you want to play the best, don't you? In those sort of situations. Um, just to finish up, because I think we you know I think we ran off soon. Um, but you mentioned Sterling. Then you mentioned you think you think he's going to start for England. Let's just quickly bit of fun. Are starting eleven against Croatia on Saturday. Is this what we think Southgate's going to do, or what we want to? What we want. What we want. Well, we we can discuss. We can, we can discuss both. Yeah. What, what What would you like to see again? Who would you like to see against Croatia, and what system? Okay, so I'll start with the system. It's so dependent on injuries. If Maguire's fit, play four two three one. If he's not, play three at the back. I'm going to say Maguire and Henderson don't start against Croatia. They don't start, right. Three at the back then. I'll, I'll go with three. Th- is it three four three? we usually play in the England? Well, usually you, isn't it? Up to you. God. I'll go with three four three because it's so yeah. difficult. There's so many players that's going to miss out. Okay. What, what, what formation are you going to go for? No, I'll, I'm going to buy. Some, I'm going to buy some thinking time. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, shall I just give my eleven, and then you can give your eleven? Yeah. Okay. Goalkeeper. <laughs> oh, do I no goalkeeper Jordan Pickford because it's going to be, isn't it? And I do think he should be England's number one. Uh, wing back on the right. Alexander Arnold, right centre back. Walker, the central centre back. John Stones, left centre back, Taron Mings, left wing back. I know it just doesn't sound good, does it? Left wing back, uh, Luke Shaw, midfield two, Declan Rice, Mason Mount. Yeah, Declan Rice, Mason Mount. Um, up front, Harry Kane. On the right, on the right, Phil Foden. On the left, Marcus Rashford. I think that's good. Go. I'll be, I'll be boring. Go on, give me yours. I've sort of, I've actually thrown myself under the bus here. I've, I've, this is, this is awful. I don't know why I've done. Why I've done this because I, my team, my head is with Maguire is is a back four. So I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't really thought about a back three slash five. Um, I would, I will go if so, if there's no Maguire. I agree with you that I think you probably have to go to a back three just because I'm not sure you can. No. I don't know, especially against Croatia. I'm not, I'm not sure Stones and Mings is really enough. 
so I'll, I'll, I agree with Pickford. I'm not sure I'm going to go Trent. I'm going to, I'm going to go James, right wing back. Walker, right centre back. And then I might go, I'm going to go Declan Rice at centre back. Oh, by me. I'm going to go Rogue. And then, and then we'll go John Stone, left centre back. Not sure that works, but we'll go with it. And then I think Chilwell was superb in the final. Going off form, I'm going to stick Chilwell at left, at left wing back. Although I, I, I like Shaw a lot. And then. And then. <laughs> Mount and Bellingham. Ooh. Middle. And then Foden on the right, coming in, sort of in the in the in the half space. Yeah. Kane up front, and Grealish in the half space. Oh, that is controversial. Talk to me about that front three. I don't know whether that front three would work, but talk to me about that front three. That, Why have you gone with Grealish? That's also my front three with a four at the back. To be with you, I just I'm a bit of a sucker for a for a left footer coming in from the right and the right footer coming in from the left. I, li- I like the inverted thing. Um, I like sort of overloading, overloading, overloading the middle. And then, and then it allows the wing-backs, Chilwell or, or Shaw and James or Trent, yeah. really push up, provide the width. I, just, I think you've got a lot, of, a lot of options there. I do get, however, that you need a runner in behind. And I think, that, I think you saw that last night. Yeah, I think England missed having a Sterling, having a Rashford to run in behind. So I, I, I would totally accept that argument against against the team I just named. But I think having Grealish in that half space, um, sort of sort of cam, sort of left wing, does that for Villa so well, and Foden again. I think the same on the other side. I just think that worked really well, linking up with Kane. Not too much gaps. Not 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 too much of a gap between those front three players. Which I think it's important. And then with the with the wide option of the wing backs. Um, but like I said, I like I like I really like having an inverted winger. I just yeah. tasty. I mean, if we look at your front three, Grealish, uh, Foden, and Kane, talk about some of the players that would miss out. I mean, the options that Southgate has. I mean, Rashford, Sterling, and Sancho would all miss out. I mean, that's actually not a bad backup front three, I is change, it? I change. Oh. I like Sancho. I do like Sancho. I was tempted. And it also provides that pace in behind. With a back three, I don't know how well he works. Actually, what he plays for Dortmund, actually, this season sometimes, so I'm not sure I'm talking about that. Well, let's go... Let's go... Drop Grealish. Uh, Foden on the left, Sancho on the right. Oh, blimey. I don't know. There's, there's too many options, isn't there? I've bottled it here. I haven't given a firm answer. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn the screw here. You've got Foden on the left, Sancho on the right. Yeah, I've just gone against. Would it not be better to be the other way around? Because Foden Maybe. would cut in and then Sancho yeah, could sure. cut in. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go other way around. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just turning the screw here. Um, but no, I do think I would. I will say that Bellingham Mount in the midfield two, in a in a in a three four in a three four three whatever, whatever you want to call it. I think that would work alright. Oh yeah, I think that would work brilliantly. It's just. But Rice as centre back is not ideal, and I, I admit that. When you say Rice as centre back, is he actually going to be a centre back, or is it, is it going to become a four at the back, and he's just going to become the defensive midfielder? That's the good option to have, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that is a very good option. Maybe it's more. Yeah, I think I think having that, having that flexibility is is what is what you want. 
you know, you can you can build you, you in possession you build with a three with rides dropping, Walker pushing out, Stones has got the ball, and then um in in possession he can push forward a bit more to then allow Mount to push on. Yeah, it's just that it's that centre back pairing I'm not certain about. Like I've rate, I I do like Stones. I think he's been good. It's just the other partner who's going to be next to him. Because if it was Maguire, I'd be like, just play for at the back. Yeah, it'd be that, fine. That's why it's a real issue, isn't it? And that, that's yeah. why I think that's, that's why I'm just not sure about things. You know, if it's if it's Cody, if it's Cody O'Connor, I'm happy to partner Stones with either Cody. Oh I'm really? Not, sorry, um, Godfrey O'Connor. Happy, I'm yeah. happy to partner both with with Stones. So that, that's disappointing. But they, like, look, I think I think what we've I think what our, what our bad argument here is displayed is that there's so many options and there's not really a right answer. No, no, and I I, I do agree. I think it's it's not an easy job for Southgate to decide I'm what team. I'm in the dark here with this team. I'm not I'm not really sure what's best. And I don't off the cuff. envy him at all, especially if you're missing Maguire. I think it's a difficult. I think it's really difficult to do. Yeah. I've, seen, I've seen a few people, and you're better to, you're better to here to mention this than I am. I've seen a few people suggest Shaw would work at a left centre back role. What do you think? I mean, last season, this is before, you know, he's become arguably the best left-back in the country. Well, one off. But last season, in the big games, Solskjaer used to switch to three at the back. And we'd have Luke Shaw at the left centre-back, and then we'd have Brandon Williams at left-back for some reason. But it would work. Like, those two would play really well. Would it work for England? <sighs> oh, it might. It might do. I don't know. It's so difficult, because I think Shaw... Going the other way, going forward has been very good. Yeah, I just think maximize yeah. his strengths. Don't focus on his weaknesses. Really, I, I I'd agree with that. I, I wouldn't be convinced by that, but at least it's it's another option, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I did want to try and fit James and Alexander Arnold and Walker all into the same team. It's just so difficult. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure you can go for two right backs and centre backs as, as auxiliary. I'm not sure you can go Walker and James as centre back. No, I know it's just not, it's just annoying. <laughs> We've got too many right backs. Yeah. And not enough, not enough quality, not enough quality centre backs. But I do think Rice and Phillips actually are both able to drop in, drop in centre back, which is which is definitely an advantage. With, with yeah, me. I completely forgot about Calvin Phillips. I do think he's very good as well. I completely yeah. forgot about him. Thank you very much for listening to this episode, this second episode of the On the Volley podcast with me, Ollie Spencer, and uh, me, Sean Webley. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Sorry if it was a bit rambly and. Uh, blurry but um we had good fun just discussing bits and bobs and next week we're going to be doing a more of a structured um podcast on the european championships which kick off next weekend which is something to look forward to and there's lots to discuss there we'll be talking about our teams to look out for dark horses underdogs that sort of thing who are the favorites and we might we might even map out how we think it's going to go we could sort of simulate the tournament which could be quite yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. So, yeah, hope, hope you enjoyed listening and um, see you next week.